This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. All right, what's up, listeners? We're on full switch with Kenny and Cassius, and we have our guest in the building today. I, um, I'm excited for this because, you know, for many reasons. Number one, we have Professor Charles Kime in the building, and he was, you know, tokenly my favorite professor in university. You know, he was on our podcast when we just started. Now he's on our radio show, and, you know, it's like I, I said this to Charles yesterday. It's like when I call him, we, we pick up off of where we left off before, and, you know, Charles Kime is still doing an amazing job as a professor, still cooking bagels homemade, and uh, still reading up on his Amish background. So it's true. It's this true. is this yeah. is Charles in a nutshell. But man, I I know you're gonna give yourself way more credit than that because you deserve more. Why don't you share with us who you are, what you do, and uh, let us know who's Charles Kime, man. Wow. Welcome. Well that's uh that's hard to match. I'm gonna be honest. Uh yeah, so I teach business at, at McEwen. I teach part time in an MBA program as well. Uh, originally I was teaching Shakespeare at the U of A. I uh, decided to do something different, took life on a different track. Originally grew up in northern BC, a little place called McBride. My parents were originally Amish. They left the church. We moved to where the road ended. And uh, to give you an idea of how much the world has changed, when my parents came to Canada, the guards, uh, security guard said, so where are you guys going? Well, Dad said, I'm not sure. You know, I might be going here, I might be going there. Well, the guy said, good luck. <laughs> And away they went. It's a very different world. Uh, I grew up in northern BC, went to school for a long time, like reading, uh, like watching and learning from people, and most of all, love being with people like yourself, talking, sharing stories. It's That's the best, right? I, I'm a facilitator, I guess. And uh, yeah. Well, and th- that's one of the biggest reasons why we want to bring you on today, Charles, because you, you can orchestrate a room in a way mm-hmm. where depending on where everyone's at with perhaps their experience level or how they want to learn. I remember, you know, sitting in class, seeing how well you can pick up off what I needed to learn and how to learn. Yeah. It. You know, it's a beyond the whole PowerPoint style lecture. You can't have PowerPoints. You can't have PowerPoints. I don't use PowerPoints at all anymore. I got rid of them. What do you think is the issue with it. that? You know, and especially on the topic of what we're talking about today, for everyone to be aware, you know, like our, our intention today is to just get a better idea of um, how to lead an impactful um, session, whether it's a meeting that you're conducting as a leader, or you're a professor in school, or you're someone who's instructing a topic of interest for people to learn. The orchestration of that, you know, some people go in very prepared. Yeah. Others go in like, hey, I'll wing it, depending yeah. on where their experience yeah. is yeah. Or, or their expertise. Yeah. But I just want to lay that framework, Charles, for you to share just how different your style is without the PowerPoint as an example, and why you think that works. You know, the first thing I think I would say, Kenny, is why am I here? When I go into a classroom, why am I here? You can always, you can tell in about two seconds how relaxed or how confident an instructor is. Do they leave the podium? Because the podium is like the, that's the principal's desk. If they just stay at the desk, you know that they're not comfortable. And the more that they stay there, the more that, the first, the more they're enforcing a power distance. We always say, can you please put your hand up? The only reason we do that is because it enforces a power distance. As long as you stand there with your hand up, I'm making you wait. And the longer I make you wait, the more I am letting you know I'm the dude at the power. But this kills, this kills a room. This kills a room, just saying. Yeah, that's a, that's a powerful nonverbal cue. 
yeah. right? Just to kind of show that hierarchy in a classroom setting. How, so then what's the opposite then? Because it's your style. Yeah. How, how do you then take off this sense of pride as a professor where you feel like you're in charge and you get to d- yeah. dictate yeah. Who, what's going to No, 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 no. So it's not about me. It can't mm. be about me. It can't be about the dude at the front of the room. It's got to be about the people in the room. And so the first thing I would say that you got to do is look, you've got to get people. How can I let you get to know people in the class? That's the number one thing. You've got to be making friends in the room. It's the relationships in the room. You're not coming to the studio so that you can talk into the mic and be, you know, you're here, you got a buddy, right? Like that's why am I here? I'm not here. Well, of course, I'm going to become a radio star now. But, you know, <laughs> apart, apart, from, apart from all the money that you're throwing at me and stuff, uh, I'm here because I want to hang out with you. I get to talk with you. And in, a, and in any room, the people there want to talk to other people. So the first thing you got to do is how can I facilitate friendships? How can I get people to meet other people in the classroom, in the boardroom, in the office? Because if, if people have friends, they're going to come to work. And, and it's neat because it reminds me of when you did that. Uh, and I don't want to spoil it, but there's a, the sense of whether you know or not certain personality styles yeah. of individuals. And you tell us what you think works, Charles, is you get the class socializing. And this can work in any setting, yeah. right? Like you're yeah. leading a team of, yeah. let's say, people, and you got to get them to know one another. Because yeah. 80% of the time, you're not in the room. They're yeah. all in the room yeah. with one yeah. another. Yeah. So it's like, what yeah. does that look like, yeah. right? But uh, what I'm curious about is, are people with more similar personality types, you know, there's a lot of different surveys you could do now to mm-hmm. figure out what yours is. Do you group a lot of similar personality types together and you think they're going to flourish and get the job done more than a group of people that all have very different personality styles? So I guess what I would say is, as it seems to me, in any healthy relationship, and really, you know, the workplace is a kind of relationship. In any healthy relationship, you want somebody who balances and covers your own weak spots. If you marry someone like yourself, like imagine you and me, because I don't know if listeners know this or not, but we're very similar. Yeah. We're very similar. And this is, which is great. Like we're a lot of fun to be around. But you know, hey, did you happen to do this? Oh no, I wasn't. <laughs> you know, we're we're off on tangents and we're, yeah. we need somebody who can keep us in check. And we who can make sure. Sh- yeah, we need somebody who can make sure that, uh, you know, the material's being covered and that we don't like, oh, I don't know, maybe forget your child in the baby stroller on the beach because you found two bucks and you went and bought popsicles with your friend. Not so true. Not naming names. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true, though. But, you know, you have to have... So this is part of it is ideally you want somebody who is going to balance out your, your strengths and weaknesses. The mm-hmm. other thing is, you know, you need somebody... If, if you have someone that talks a lot, if the other person talks a lot, you've got a problem because you need somebody that can listen, too. It's interesting. On the one hand, uh, birds of a feather flock together. And you will get my class this year, for instance, did a personality assessment. Everybody on the left-hand side are all extroverts. All the introverts are on the right-hand side. Oh, it's like they all naturally gravitated towards being around the similar people. But then what you're saying is it's best when you balance it out. So there has to be some kind of a balance where then they are looking for people who can, you know, protect them against their own worst tendencies. And I think this is what happens when people start to get rich and famous is that people start to say, yeah, you're really smart. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. 
You know, when you are, you know, like you and me, our friends don't, our friends have no problem telling us that's a bad idea. The truth, yep. But when you become, you know, like Napoleon mm. or someone with a lot of power, people are like, yeah, that's a great idea. I, I think that, yeah, I, I see why you should do that. You know, I, I, I kind of want to go back to a thing that you mentioned, uh, Charles. It's, uh, you know, how you said that the the classroom is a two-way relationship. Absolutely. And, um, when I was in university, I didn't feel that yeah. with 90% of my professors. I feel like there was like that one or two that I remember that was really like in tune with their, with their, with their kids. And yeah. that was in my fourth year. Um, he was my plant genetics professor. And this was one of those classes where I was like, I just need to fill another science option yeah. so that I can graduate. But I'm telling you. After that class, I was literally considering going into plant <laughs> genetics. He sold you. I love it. He sold me because uh, of how yeah. good he was yeah. from not only a teaching perspective, but just from that relationship perspective yeah. where he actually, you could tell he wanted every single person in that room to understand what he was saying. And on top of that, enjoy yeah. coming to that class. Yeah. And I would have never in a million years would have considered plant genetics as like something that like, I would take or even be interested in. Yeah. And so uh, I'm curious from your perspective, Charles, like, do you feel like that's a big gap right now within, you know, schools, especially higher yeah. education where, you know, oh, professors boy. just come in and, and they just do their yeah. thing and they leave and they yeah. do their research type of thing. Just to do it. Yeah. How, what are your thoughts on oh, that? Oh man, I got lots of thoughts. How many hours do we have here? So first of all, my philosophy in the classroom, first thing, Say something, show something, do something. I'll say something, but then you got to show something—a YouTube clip, uh, a movie clip, something like that. And then you got to do something. People got to get up and move around. You can't sit for two hours or even. And I can't sit for more than ten minutes. I got to be up. I got to be moving, right? So I always say something, show something, do something. And you got to let people—you got to let people mingle, of course, right? The other thing that I always think about is: Would my students hire me? Mm. Look, man, the world is a crazy place. It's crazy. Like, I, I'm just saying, maybe someday I need a job. Would my students hire me? Wow. Right? Like, would they? Yeah. Or am I, you know, because depending how this relationship is, there's not a chance that they would ever hire you. Well, then something's wrong. Mm, wow. What a, what a brilliant way of looking at how y you are not to use the word selling, but you're putting yourself out there every lecture, Yeah, you know, in order to, uh, whether it's inadvertent or not, there's a sense of validation you want to get from the students yeah. because you don't want them to show up because they have to. You want them to show up because they yeah. want to. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. And I'm sure you could feel that on the other end, Absolutely. right? Do you think it's a system institution issue with, with, with building that two-way relationship? Or do you think that, you know, uh, professors or educators can do a better job? <laughs> You feel like, what can oh, I say? Oh, <laughs> man. Well, so he, he, here's here's the problem. You go to you. So you, you, you let's let's let, we'll just use business, for example. OK, so I do a BCom and I'm like, man, I really like this. I'd like to do more research on, say, HR. So I go into HR and I go to start doing grad studies. And they're like, well, you got to specialize. And you're like, well, OK, maybe I'll do commitment. I'll look at commit or trust. I'm going to look at trust. What is trust? How do we develop it? So then you basically, you're locked away for a couple of years, you know, four years working on your dissertation on trust. So now you come out in your trust, you've, you've you know, you're the expert on trust. And then you go and they say, okay, 
guess what? You're teaching some classes. Uh, you're teaching a class on leadership. You're teaching class in management. And we're going to get let you teach a class on uh, HR. And you're like, okay, but I just spent four years <laughs> thinking about trust here. <laughs> on a very specific You topic. haven't received, in, in almost every case, you have never received no training on how to teach. You've received, you've been trained on how to research, but not how to work a room. No one ever comes to a, to a student, to a professor and says, here's how you work a room. Here's some ways, here's some things you got to know about how you work a room. And so they, you know, it's just kind of, it's like most employees. You're just kind of throwing in and gee, I hope this works. Wow. That is so true. Wow. And the students are, are in some ways are in the same boat. Because today I was I was talking with a former student, and you know, realize I realized that what she's encountering at the workplace, she has had zero training in how to deal. With. How do I deal with a person at the work who is deliberately sabotaging me? How do I deal with a group at work that has now formed a group that is going against the new CEO? What do I do? Do I join the CEO or do I join the group? Like, how do I figure out who's going to win and which? Where do I? Wow. There's nothing, there's nothing in a business program that will have covered those things. It's but what makes people... That's the difference between like winning and losing. And that's the difference between also people choosing to stay or leave, yeah. right? Because there's no, where's the training program, yeah. right? Like where is the ABC one, two, three step-by-step -step guideline to, to do something? And then of course, there's going to be yeah. the uh, feeling of, oh, well, what did you learn in school to be able to do this? And now yeah. it brings back your point of, well, this is what they weren't showing in school. Yes. You know, and that's why, okay, if there's anything that I appreciate, because I get asked this and I ask myself this where it's like okay i did a business degree and here i am in the fitness industry yeah. i could have been in my position had yeah. i not had the degree on hand sure i yeah. could let that eat away sure. at me however i don't because what i did learn in school was how to present myself yeah. through the act of presenting myself yeah right because it's like you don't learn until you do yeah and i'm glad you mentioned one of those steps because that goes into one of the things that i actually had prepared with nice. what i've been learning with yeah. you know effectively uh preparing how to do something like this but I mean, man, I wish that people didn't have to feel the pressure of doing it with their job on the line. Yes. And and I have someone I know who is in their management role right now and they're feeling cooked yeah. by their yeah. supervisor. Yeah. They're feeling watched yeah. over now. Yeah. And they said one thing to me that really stood out. And it was like, they were just like, Kenny, I'm getting, I'm getting ridiculed over things I don't even know. <laughs> and and I, I, I was very clear on, I don't know how to do this because I wasn't taught yes. it. Yes. And it all goes back to yes. just being thrown in the fire. Yes. And the person that is ridiculing them, they're smart. They know what you don't know, and they're making sure that other people know what you don't know so that they can put themselves in a position of power. That's exactly. And that happens played. sometimes. This person's being played. They don't even know it, and they're being played. Do you think that gets to people's heads then, reputation-wise? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm a professor now, or I'm a manager now. I'm a, you yeah. know, like the title gets to their head. Yeah. And they're also brought up in a system where this is, you. they've been taught just by watching. So what do they see? Well, they see a person at the front who's complaining about the students. The students today don't know very much. The students today don't work hard. The students today are soft. Absolute nonsense, by the way. I have to I have to tell you this. So when I went to McGill, this would have been in 98. Okay, so 98. I go to McGill for grad school. Grad school. A year of grad studies at McGill, $1,000. That's my tuition, $1,000. I lived with a family, Pierre and Francois, and their son, Denis André, Dabanek. 
<laughs> and uh, and uh, I paid two hundred and twenty-five dollars a month room and board, room and board, thousand dollars a year for tuition. In the summer, there were jobs that were for university students. You had to be a student. So I worked on the highways. I made twenty dollars an hour. After seven hours, it was time and a half. After nine hours, it's double time. Wow. Yeah, and you had to be a student to get this job. And then there was like you know pension, all the other bonuses. So you made enough money in the summer that you could afford to go to school without working. Most students, when I went to school, did not work. Now, most of them have at least one or two jobs, and they're not even making twenty dollars an hour. I don't even know how they're sleeping. Some of them yeah. who are independent and yeah. doing it all on their own. You yeah. know, it's interesting that you that you brought that up, Charles, about. Uh, or I guess Kenny as well about you know not being prepped going into the into the workforce because I feel like now uh, you know I'm I'm gonna turn 30 in January and I've I've worked with a lot of companies and in the corporate realm in corporate marketing right now running my own business but I r- now realize that before where the stuff that I was worried about coming out of university and trying to get a job like polishing my resume. It didn't work. I, I I I would polish my resume. I would go knock on doors. I had my suit and you know suit and tie, yeah. and I did that every single day. I would I would drop 100, 200 resumes a week to try to get a job within my within my realm, and I couldn't and I couldn't get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and 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 talking about not prepared, trying to get a job, not only trying to get a job, but not prepared when you get the job. Yeah. And you're like, what am, you know, you're just kind of flowing oh, yeah. with the yeah. chaos and yeah. trying to like be like, okay, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? I hope my boss is happy. Yeah. I hope my manager's happy. I hope my, my colleagues yeah. are happy. It, it's insane. I have the ultimate hack for how you get a job. Welcome to Super Typical Megabank. How can we disappoint you today? Hi, I'd like to open an account. May I pressure you into considering a pro-disadvantage, high-regret, impersonal, everyday inconvenience savings plan with added compounded confusion at no additional discount or apology? It's one of our top disappointers. I feel so... Disappointed? Yeah. Another unsatisfied customer. Next! If your bank makes you feel like this, it's time you talk to us. Connect First Credit Union. Bank on a brighter future. Kenny and Cassius and our special guest, Professor Charles Kime. We hope that you guys are all enjoying your Friday evening so far. Uh, you know, we've got Charles on right now, and he left us on quite the cliffhanger before we played uh, Miles Away. And, you know, I just want to hear again, Charles, tell us, what is the secret you speak of that one needs to know of to land a job when they're either in university or about to graduate or yeah. they just need to yeah. get that next yeah. position? What's the secret? So people will come to me all the time, you know, is, is, is a university worth it? Is university worth the money? Is an MBA worth it? So first, it depends what you're going to do with it. So if you go to university and all you do is sit in your room and study, you know, you can get that information elsewhere. I, when I teach a class, look, man, if it's, edu- if it's knowledge you can get on the internet, then I'm not telling you. Like, you can just Google it. If you can Google it, then I don't need to say it because you can go find it. I want to tell you the stuff you can't Google. So how do I get a, how do I get a job when I graduate? First of all, you got to look for a job before you graduate. And when you're a university student, you are, you have a golden ticket, man. Like, because you are a university student, People want to talk to you because you're a university student. Mm. It's, it's the craziest thing ever. 
so I had a student that wanted to, she wanted to get a job in consulting. Consulting can be really difficult to get a job in. She said, you know, Charles, how do I get a job in consulting? And I said, easy, you're working on a project uh, for my class, looking at how do consulting company agencies, how do they onboard university students? How do they manage that transition? So she went to a consulting company, said, I'm a student, I'm a, a business student at McEwen, working on a project and looking at how, uh, how consulting companies onboard new employees. By the, third, or by the third company, she had a job. Wow, that's brilliant. You say, I'm a student working on, I'm a, I'm a student working at this place and I'm working on a project. I'm looking at leadership. I would like to talk to people in the organization. Give them a reason to talk to you. Yeah, right? I'm a student. Uh, I had a student named Wyatt who was like a B student. Wyatt, if you're out there, man, I've got to know how you're doing. Wyatt wanted to work at Raymond James. He said, Charles, how do I get a job at Raymond James? What's Raymond James? Uh, it's like an investment mm. place, right? And I said, well, easy. You go to them and say, hey, we're looking. I'm a student, a business student, and we're looking to bring people in to talk about the organization. You have been identified as, as, an, outstanding, as an outstanding company. Could someone come in and talk to our class? Find a representative. Yeah, bring someone in. Talk to us. Show us the way. Uh, so he, they, he contacted the company. My name's Wyatt. I'm a business student. I'm uh, working on a project. We're wondering if someone leadership could come talk to us about Raymond James. How they manage change. How they manage diversity. How they, you just make something up, right? So they said, yeah, of course, we'd love to talk to you. So he went down. He met the whole executive team. Met everybody. Uh, they, they, you know, he talks to everybody. Some guy shows up. He give him a little tour around campus, and then he's talking to the class. And guess what? Why gets a job at Raymond James? That's because right. he had made the connection. A resume isn't going to get you. It's 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 just chance. Look how it's more about in that framework. Hey, I want to learn about your company and you and what you do for it rather than you learn about me on a piece of paper. Yes. It's it's 100%. the reverse. Yeah, 100%. right. This is like Cassius and I. We should talk a lot about this when we were out there, you know, hunting for a next yeah. job or connecting yeah. with influencers yeah. in yeah. the city, whatever it was. Yeah. We call it calculated coffees. Yeah. Is uh, you know, we talked about this in one of our episodes with nice. like the value of networking. Yeah. Is don't just go shake someone's hand and be like, hey, read on a piece of paper no. about me. No, no, no. Figure out about them. Yeah. Make them feel special. Yeah. And then sit down and say, hey, I'd like to connect and have a coffee with you for you to teach me about your day-to-day -day work yeah. and, and what you're working on right yeah. now. Yeah. And I want to know how much it fits my personal values. I'm, I'm a student working on a project. Yeah, this that is, works. This is a golden ticket. Absolute golden ticket. Mm. Create an award and give it to someone. Yes. Katy Perry, right? I remember I told you the story of the guy who wants to meet Katy Perry. Tell us this again. Okay, so the, the guy wanted, there was a, a student in the MBA program I was talking to Jeffrey Pfeffer and he told me about this and a student wanted to meet Katy Perry. So the guy said, hey, if I uh, came up with an idea, said, tell you what, guys, uh, he was going to Stanford. He said, I want to create an award for the transformational woman of the year and I want to give it to Katy Perry. If she accepts the award, will you make it? It doesn't cost anything to make an award. It's like, what, 10 bucks at the, the, <laughs> yeah. the box store or something, right? So they, they're like, yeah, if you can get Katy Perry. So he phones up and says, I'm calling on behalf of Stanford University, which is true. I mean, you're a student there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you gotta be, you got to be clever. Yes. Yeah. Don't try and be smart. Be mm. clever. Be clever. He says, I'm calling on behalf of Stanford. We are cre we've created a new award. It's called the Transformational Woman of the Year Award. You have been selected among all of the women in the world. You have been chosen to be number one. We want you to be the 
inaugural recipient of this prestigious award. He lays it on. Flattery always works. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, next day, he gets a phone call. It's Katy Perry. Whoa! What is, what's this award I'm getting? Well, let me <laughs> tell you about it. Tells her about it, says, I'd like to tell you more. Perhaps we could meet. For sure. So he gets together with Katy Perry. There's a picture in the, the Stanford newspaper, newsletter, <laughs> this of this dude, Katy Perry, and the provost and the dean. And Dream she's come true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but I mean, so that's great. This guy meets Katy Perry, but the question—how much value does he get from that? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, it's a cool connection, but in terms of what value it's going to get, in terms of getting a job, in terms of your connections, it forces you to say, okay, if I can meet anyone, who would I like to meet? Like, who would be valuable for me to meet? Like, it might be great to meet Katy Perry. It might be fun to meet. Fill in the blanks, whoever you're Well, I mean, I am thinking of, you know, like Jimmy Fallon. You know, we have talk show hosts. Yeah. We have Joe Rogan. We yeah. have people that we want to be just like, yeah. right? Yeah. But as you're telling me all this, I, I'm just – I'm. it's such a reminder that all of these people that we put on a pedestal, like who we aspire to be like mm. or we look at or view or listen or tune into, they're not that far away from you. No, no. You know? Yeah. There's ways in which if you really wanted to try to put the effort into connecting with them, you can. Yeah. Well, yeah. Before the break, I was I was talking to the guys here and, you know, there's a, there's a big lesson in what Charles just said. And that's, you know, if you want something, you figure out how to be clever yeah. Yeah. and you go after it. And I remember, again, like now that I'm almost 30, I now know that whatever I want to do in business, how do I provide value for the clients that I want to work with and work reverse engineer versus trying to sell myself like, hey, I'm the marketing yeah. guy, I'm the yeah. media guy, yeah. here's my resume, here's what I've done, here's my portfolio, crickets. I'm never going to get the call. But if I go into a business and I say, you know what, what are the gaps here? Like, what, what What's like your number one problem on the marketing side of things? Like, yeah, you know, we just, we haven't figured out our SEO, we haven't figured out advertising, we haven't figured out this and that. Hey. I'll do it for free. If I can solve your problems, can I get compensated? Yes or no? Boom. I just made myself a job right there. And that's just a kind of a similar example yeah. to what Charles brought about meeting Katy yeah. Perry. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's such a good example of I, I look at it in terms of who makes the first step. Mm. Right. What are you uh, doing? Are you going to make that first step forward to believe in your product or your service so much that you're the one making the first move? You're the one walking into their store. You're the one asking, hey, like what it is that you need help with? Okay, great. I'm going to connect the bridge here and tell you how whatever I'm going to be able to do for you will help with that. And this is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but it's like. I relate that to social media content nowadays because we're all so consumed by it. But I would rather look at it like, okay, are you going to produce or are you going to consume? You know, are you someone who is going to put good out there and the algorithm is going to give you good back? Or are you going to search to destroy? Are you going to search things that are just mind-numbing and aren't really productive? And we're all guilty of it sometimes, watching really funny 10, 20-second video clips. Then hour goes by and you're like, (laughs) what could have I done at that time, right? We're living in that day and age, though. And we get pushed more of the content we're we're consuming but i i really resonate with this because it's like okay you make the move to choose to what you want to see but don't let other people tell you to do so but but the thing is 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 it's about being clever 
Yeah. As, as Charles yeah. said, it's mm-hmm. just about reversing it a bit. You want a certain objective. You want something. As this student wanted to meet Katy Perry, how the heck do you do that? Yeah. That's a cool and, and you just have to repackage it and do it a different way. And all of a sudden, boom, that that, that person's on the, on the phone. And the other thing that's great about that is it forces you to say, okay, what do I actually want? Like if I could work at any company in Edmonton, where do I want to work? Because the problem, the problem is that you go to school and you just start studying. So you're taking accounting, you're taking supply chain management. Well, in accounting, they're teaching you accounting. And you say, well, okay, but what do I do with this? Well, I, I don't know. You're, but I'm just teaching you accounting. So you come out and you got these, you know, these tools and you're like, I wonder, I wonder what this fits, mm-hmm. right? And you put the screwdriver in a, in a socket and you're like, wow, <laughs> that hurt. Yeah, that's not what it's designed for. Well, I, I didn't know. The person that gave you the screwdriver is just, here's the screwdriver. Here's here's how it works. So you have to, when you're doing, you have to figure out, where do I want to be? Okay, I'm studying. I'm, I'm learning. Great. But like, what, if I could meet someone, who do I actually want to meet? Like, what, where am I trying to go here? It forces you. That's a really hard question to answer. That's why I wish they called this chapter of your life, no matter where you are, age-wise. I mean, I feel like everyone's going to get there in a different time, but just the stage of exploration. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, here's your chance to maybe be in school while you still have an opportunity yeah. to try things. Yeah, try things. But the, the, that's not how it's yeah. worded. It's worded yeah. like coming out of high school in this way. Figure out what you want to do for your career. Yeah. And kids hear the C word, career, and by kids, yeah, 17, 18-year-old kid that's being told by their parents or being told by friends or themselves that, oh, I guess the right thing to do is like go to school and learn something that I just don't really know and specialize in something. Yeah. It's like, no, I just wish that we celebrated more of this is a trial period. Yeah. You know, now go in, whether you feel like you know you want to do it or not, knowing that you're at least going to try you're going to gain a skill out of trying. Yeah. You're then going to know more about yourself through the process. Yeah. And then yeah. from there, you're that much closer to where you potentially want to go. Because yeah. don't get me wrong. Yeah. You can't just keep doing that. Yeah. And this is what I was guilty of, Charles mm. and Cassius. Like I had my trial period. Omid saw it the first four years since we started doing uh, you know, media together. It's literally like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'll reach a year and I'll go, hmm, can I do this for another January? You know, I'll yeah, be like, yeah, like, can I go another yeah, year doing yeah. the same exact thing? Yeah. Or is this still keeping me engaged? And yeah. guess what? That's the secret right there. Keeping me engaged yeah. was ultimately what made me realize that I need to be in something revolving. Well, speaking of engaged, but also speaking of clever again, I don't know if you guys heard about the, the, the I think it was one or two guys who were, this was like years ago, and I think they were on Global News or something, but they were trying to get a job at a university and they were having no luck with their standard resumes. So what did they do during career day? I think it was at the University of Alberta or, or, or another institution. They bought a bunch of coffee, designed, they put their resumes on the cup nice. of the coffee. Nice. So it was designed cool. with their names and like it was like a really yeah. clever design. Yeah. So when they gave the cup yeah. to the people at the career day, it was like, oh, by the way, that's like, oh, they're like, oh, cool design. Oh, that's our resume on there. <laughs> Feel free to give us yeah. a shout. And it was so clever mm. that all of a sudden they got a bunch of phone calls after that and they were on the news yeah. for it. Yeah. And there's so, and it's, it can be even easier than that. Somebody in your class knows someone who has the perfect job for you. And it's like not even knows someone who knows someone. So a girl in my one class wanted to get a job at a bank. And she said, yeah, I would. So I, I, I pitched this idea, the golden ticket, right? Who would you like to meet? She said, I'd like to meet 
a CEO or a VP of a bank. And I was like, okay, you know, let's let's do it. Let's make it happen. Jeff Boyd, RBC baby. And so she was she was thinking about this. Meanwhile, in another class, there's a girl that I'm friends with. Her dad is a VP at Canada Western Bank. Wow. So I said to this other girl, hey, I know someone. So I was able to make this, and then she talked with him, and he was like, Well, actually, I got a friend who works at this bank. Next thing you know, she's yeah, she was able to do that. So then for, for me, my thinking is, look, man, I'm like a, uh, I'm a facilitator. The classroom is a place where you facilitate relationships so that people can get to know each other and find out like, so what do your parents do? You know, and who, who are the people in a way that's not weird? You can't do this. You can't do this other places. But the classroom, a business classroom is one of the few places where it's okay to say, what do your parents do? Or, or, or not, you know, and if your parents are like my parents, very humble, then, you know, that that's that's cool. But like, what are the connections? <clears throat> and how can, who are the people, the only difference between taking a class at McEwen, U of A, or Harvard are the people sitting next to you. Mm. That's the only, McEwen and Harvard, it's the same material. It's the same textbook, the same it's the same PowerPoints, <laughs> I, except, for the, exactly. except for the little watermark down in the corner. The people sitting beside you—that's the difference. At, at at Harvard, you know, their 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 parents are all millionaires, right? But in 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 school, the critical thing I think is how do I facilitate these relationships so that people can be make friends and have and also have connections. So that hey, I know a person. Oh yeah, my friend's dad. There's a guy in my class who knows uh, Daryl Cates. Mm. right there wow you know like yeah. and and you would never crazy story are we going to commercial or can i got do i got time for a, let's keep oh, going okay let's go so yeah. crazy story last year so i i'm told students hey just bring whoever you want in for for a guest speaker because i want to i want to meet people right cool and, they got to choose yeah like, bring whoever that. you want in right so no you know and there were and i said but you know you're like and i mean you know like bring someone in, but not necessarily your parents. It's like show and tell. Like let me <laughs> yeah, brag about yeah. a guy I know. It's so, someone brings their dad. So <laughs> later on, later on, then I'm talking to uh, to one of the students, and he says, "Yeah," he goes, "My mom always videotapes the basketball games. She has to know who wins before she watches the game." I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? Uh, what? Oh that, wow! That totally, that totally defeats the purpose <laughs> of watching a game. Like, I want to know who wins, and then I'll watch the game. Let's yeah. see the ending, and then let's watch." So then I was, you know, we kept talking, and I said, "So, what, what's your mom do? Uh, she works for Cirque du Soleil." And I was like, "Oh, what does what does she do? Well, she's the creative director." Mm. What? Well, you know the show O? Yeah, she she like designed that and put that all on. And I was like, "Really? Where 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 is she at?" And she said, "Well, Vegas." So next thing you know, mm. we've, we've got a Zoom call and we're talking with Krista Monson, who is the creative director for Cirque du Soleil. And she's telling us about how she got a job at Cirque du Soleil and also some of the really cool things she does at Cirque du Soleil. That is awesome. And you wouldn't, wouldn't have I, known that. I wouldn't have known that. And if I didn't talk to my student, I never would have figured that out. I never would have been able to bring this dude in. Wow. That, that just says so much about it. It's such a cliche saying of... Your, your net work is your net worth. And I don't mean it like that, but I mean it in the way that outside of how much money you can make based off who you know, it's knowing that someone's more likely to talk to you based off of a trusted source. Yeah. 
yeah. right? And it, it just yeah. becomes that yeah. much easier. Yeah. So I love how you said, Charles, to like just expand that and talk to people, right? Uh, this reminded me of how even like with some of my friends, people I've known for years, I have a special relationship with their parents too. Yeah. And it just reminds me of how, you know, go uh, – Go above and beyond talking to people yeah. that just look and act it's, and are in the same circle as you. You know, I, I know, I know. I'm getting the signal from you. I, I, I know. I see you over there. I see you over there. He's got the hand on the big red button. But, but listen, let me tell you one more crazy thing. So my wife's been applying for jobs, blah blah blah, at a high, at a high level, right? And there's a girl in my class who's like, yeah, I like doing resumes, like. <laughs> like it's like I like root canals, right? Like what are you what are you talking about? And, I'll do it. I'll yeah, do yeah, it. yeah. And she said, you know, give me your wife's resume and let me let me work on it. Wow. And so I'm like, okay, sure. So I give her my wife's resume. I get it back and like I don't recognize it. I'm like, this is <laughs> like this is amazing. There's, the like there's color and it's beautiful and it's and so anyways, my wife submits it and gets an interview and now she has a job offer. Wow. Amazing. And I'm, so, you know, when it, it's, it's not that I'm exploiting these relationships, but like that friendship with a student led to this. You know, they, it's not as though the problem is that too often we see, oh, the instructor is this person who is, you know, got all this knowledge and they go and they give it to the people in the room who write it down. And no, no, no. It's it's a two-way street, baby. That's why two-way. when we come back after the break, I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to get you to think about this one and leave <laughs> everyone on a cliffhanger, is can you be friends with your manager? Can you be friends with uh, your professor? Ooh. What does that look like? Yeah. And what does that friendship really yeah. mean? There's some yeah. lines perhaps, yeah. but yeah. what does that really look like? Great stories are timeless. To be a great storyteller, one must bridge the gap between an alluring narrative and the audience, to pull with the heartstrings, and to shape the imagination. At Q Films Media, we're more than just a media production agency. We are a powerhouse of creative individuals, content creators, who specialize in telling great stories. Stories that are intimate and kept closest to the heart. Stories that are powerful and inspiring, that spark boldness and action. We are Q Films Media. We're here to tell your story. We are always unseen. All right, we're back on full switch on the Universal Radio Network. It's your co-host, Kenny, with Cassius, Professor Charles Kime, all the way from McEwen <laughs> University, baby. Man, like, I, I had, I was one of the students of Charles, just to let everybody know, and uh, it was in several organizational behavior classes, right? And one of the coolest thing that Charles did, it was so, oh, this is unreal, is he's like, all right, guys, we're going to do a project, and you guys can do it, on anything you want. Mm. And, and everyone, you could kind of hear the stress, right? Where's the rubric? Yeah. What, how are we going to be judged, right? Like, yeah. everyone's all yeah. worried. Yeah. Me and KB and Abnash were like, whoa, anything, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, no yeah. rubric, right? Yeah. So KB and me and Abnash collectively, we asked Charles, we're like, can we do this on 
the the UFC? Yeah. Can we do it on the entire yeah. organization? Yeah. And here's a cool thing about going back to like passion and someone wanting to do a project on something they love. I'm going to be honest. KB wrote the whole paper. He yeah. did the whole thing. He's, I can he still stayed go up. back in and change your grades. Really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but like, he was so passionate about it. I just threw in an idea and I said, let's simulate yeah. a match. Yeah, you know, that was, I remember that. So this was so cool. We brought our gear. We got the permission Trust me, from you Charles. can't forget this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had everyone go in a circle and we did entrance songs. We showed yeah. what a sparring match yeah. looks like with our gear. And it was, it was fun. It was and exhilarating. Everybody you know? remembers it. Everybody guaranteed, yeah. guaranteed. And, and that's just, I, I share that on the show because, you know, we've been talking a lot today about, you know, being creative, thinking yeah. outside the box, yeah. being someone who, you know, is remembered. Boy, you know what boy, I mean? Because I want to yeah. talk about this. I remember getting asked this question when I bartended at Joey Restaurants, yeah. Charles. And I remember someone's like, man, like, what what do you do to create regulars? And there's that concept of any type of business you have is referrals, your clientele that pretty much sticks with you for life. Mm -hmm. They're not going to your studio or your bar, or wherever it is you're servicing for the product or service. That, that That's the bonus. What they're going for is you. Yeah. And I remember when I got asked that, I was like, you know what? Here's what I'm doing. I'm making them remember my name by giving them an experience. Yeah. I am the way I'm yeah. pouring the beer, yeah. the way I'm yeah. placing the, yeah. the knives and forks, yeah. the questions I'm asking, yeah. right? How do yeah. you two know one another? Yeah. Learning yeah. about them, yeah. getting them yeah. excited, and then doing things outside of what one is just known to do. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, earlier, I couldn't help but overhear that, you know, you're craving dessert. So, yeah. you know, I decided to just get something for you on the house. Enjoy. But make them feel special, yeah. oh, right? Man. And be a oh, part man. of it and read that room, you know? Forget, forget what you're known, known for and think about what are you known for? How am I known for making you feel, right? Uh, in class, so I, I, I screwed up because I, in class we were talking about, I was showing some of the cognitive biases and how people that are good looking, you know, make more money, get away with more, thought to be all the, all the stuff, right? But that's not the point. And, 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 and the point that I, when we go back to classes, the point I'm going to make is forget about. So the question is, well, then how can I be good looking? That's not the point. Nobody cares. How do you make other people feel? You know, engaging them, talking with them. How are you doing? Really? How are you doing? And, and caring about them. They, you know, I have like some of my, I've made some amazing friends as an instructor, like from students, including yourself, right? How do you do that? Well, you care about them. It's not about... You know, and this goes back to a bit what we were talking about, uh, Ahmed, about your resume. Imagine if you imagine this: you go, you go into the bar or the club or wherever you, wherever you're going and you're meeting people. You walk up to a girl and you're like, "Okay, I want you to I want you to listen about me. I'm going to tell you how great I am. Okay, here's all the things I've done. Here's my education. Here's my GPA. Do you want to go out with me now? Okay, well I got more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna just gonna keep putting telling you how amazing I am. Will you go out with me now? And they're going to say, like, what are you talking about? That's not how it works. So why would we think that it works in engaging our workforce and engaging uh, in getting a job in an organization? Like, of course not. And so this then touches on what you were with your cliffhanger. So should you be friends with your employees? Yeah, like especially like from the perspective with of the team. leader, or you're the yeah. professor. Going back yeah. to that, like, oh, I sh I'm respecting this person because they're at a higher level than me in some way. So shape, or I'm going to stop you right there and, and drop a bomb on you. 
Leo Tolstoy, the, the uh, Russian writer, uh, War and Peace, Anna Karenina, he says, respect is the word that was created to take the place of love. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So when we talk about respect, it's because we don't have love anymore. If you love a person, you, are, you don't have to talk about respect. How do you gain their respect? You don't have to talk about that because their love is, love is there. Mm. When you don't have the love, now you start creating these words respect etc wow so the question then is should not be about how do i create respect but how do i demonstrate love how do i show the people that i care and people you know and i understand so my mentor uh yoni i says you know you it's a this is a very dangerous thing to be friends with your employees and it's true but it's also very dangerous to not be friends with them and you know will they have your back will they care for you are are you you know are you creating a bond with them that is going to go beyond the formal requirements of the workplace of the job because at some point you know you're going to feel deflated and you need them you need them to like pick you up to make you feel better to support you this this reminds me so much of how you can sometimes get people because it stems in relationships too. Yeah. You're telling someone constantly how you feel about them, or you're telling you're complimenting them, but it's beyond that. It's don't tell me, show me. Yes, right. And it reminds yes. me so much of that of yes. like, okay, in the way you would let's say praise someone in the job yes. that they just did. Yes. Hey, you did yes. great. Yes. But it's like, okay, well, anyone could have done great. It's like let's change that to I really like how you demonstrated yeah. XYZ yeah. and it led yeah. to you ultimately, yeah. you know, being able to change the way this person yes. looks at yes. how, the, uh, how they need to do this and in their this, life. And I think and this is one of the huge, detail. one of the huge problems we have is that we get like these vision statements or mission statements about hoodoo voodoo. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. yeah, And all, all the, all the big language stuff, but it's like, what, show me the details. What does this actually look like? Like, what are the things that are, you know, being done? I was thinking today, of, uh, you know, friends I have, uh, a lot of the students that I have in the MBA when I'm teaching are, are First Nations or Indigenous students, right? And I thought, you know, this is interesting. I was thinking today as I was driving, so often we talk about, man, how do, how do we include them? How do we have a, you know, inclusivity, equality? And I thought, well, maybe, you know what, maybe just forget about that for a minute. How do we just make sure that they have clean drinking water? Mm-hmm. Mm. Right? Like there are very practical things that we should be doing that will speak louder than our mission statements. That's so true. It's like we're spending time talking about what we need to be doing when we could be doing what we need to be doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what are you the know? little things? You know, what are the little things that, that I can do? Alberta Health Services, for example, their management is out of scope. So management doesn't have parking. So nurses have parking, but their managers don't. Well, how do you show people respect when they don't even have parking and they have to, you know, park out on the street and go move their vehicle every couple hours, walk across the field? You know, we care about you. Well, then show me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, oh, Mm. you know, there are very practical things that we should be doing that will demonstrate our mission. And people will say, okay, we have to have the mission and then the play. Forget the mission. How can I, how, what do you need? How can I help you? Well, I want to ask. What can I do for you? I want to ask Cassius this and I'm going to ask the listeners is, you know, what are you currently doing to show your team or your people in your life that you care? 
And I want our listeners to think about wow. that. You might be telling them. That's good. But what are you doing right now to show them? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a quick example. And this is my, this might not be particularly right on the spot. But, um, for example, we had a podcast that we were going to do last Sunday. And none of my guys were available to shoot, to film. And uh, normally they, they handle it. They take care of it. They take care of the post-production. They take care of the filming. And um, I said, no problem. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next week. And um, they're like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, they're kind of kind of panicking a little bit. Like, well, Omid, what are you going to do? Who's going to film it? It's like, I'll film it. Oh, what's going to happen with the editing? I'll edit it. No problem. And so I think just kind of, I guess the lesson there is I'm putting myself, I'm doing, I'm executing everything myself. I am, I am, I'm doing the podcast. I got the guest. I got everything all lined up. I am willing to do the dirty work, if you will. Without the guilt trip. Without the guilt trip. And, and not only that, I, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm saying that, Hey, I am just as willing to get into the trenches as you are. I'm showing, I'm, I'm leading as an example. Yeah. And even my guests said that they're like, Oh, I was like, Hey, can I need about like 15, 20 minutes to get the camera set up the audio? If you don't mind, like, you know, uh, our guys, you know, they took the weekend off. So I'm just kind of doing everything. And he's like, he, he brought it up. He was like, this is a form of leadership. This is a form of you putting yourself as, um, as, as, as doing the work and, the and, and providing the show must go on, but you're leading by example. Yeah. And so, um, that's kind of not not i guess the love is a little different was like hey like you know what take the weekend off you deserve it like i you know i got love and respect for the time that you are um outside of work yeah and it's okay if you can't make it i threw it out there but i'll be fine yeah and and that's just like one specific example of uh of uh, of I guess love in 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 a workplace setting i guess and it sounds you know it sounds corny i i get it and so we try and, another problem is we try and come up with a lingo to make it sound scientific, make it sound official. But in so doing, we lose sight of what we're actually trying to do and what really matters. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least. And Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time, on any device. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head over to ab.bluecross.ca. You know, what would we be having Charles, Professor Charles Kime here with us of, uh, you know, what he studies and what he researches, especially lately, we wouldn't be doing it justice if we didn't get the chance to, to hear about it. And, you know, of our topics of interest is, you know, we talk about leaders, present leaders, mm-hmm. um, historical figures, you know, those who've led in the past um, in, in what they were known for, and just bringing a little bit more attention, awareness to um, if we're leading in the same way, uh, whether it's appropriate or not. And, and how we can take some of this information and apply it to what we're currently yeah. doing. And uh, you were telling me, Charles, that you have uh, someone you've been studying lately, uh, Napoleon <laughs> Bonaparte. 
quite yes, the historic yes, figure. Yes. For those who don't know Napoleon, you mind sharing with us who he was and why you're researching him lately? Uh, yeah, you know? so I came to Napoleon uh, through reading War and Peace by Tolstoy. Napoleon, so Napoleon is originally from the island of Corsica, which is off the Italian course. He's, he's originally Italian. Hmm. Uh, France, Annex, as I understand, France, Annex, uh, Corsica. So Corsica now becomes French. Uh, Napoleon is in the, in the olive, his, his heart is in Corsica, but he goes to France, to Paris. He studies at a military school, becomes, he wants to be a writer. He originally wanted to be a writer. He finishes military, this is the part that's interesting, is he finishes military school, and then he has a decision to make. His mentor says, you know, buddy, the English army is looking for people. So people would go kind of all over the place after they finished their training. Uh, and another guy says, you know, the Russian army is also looking for good generals. You'd be a, you'd be a good fit there. Another person says the Middle East. You you can you can train uh, train soldiers over there. And he decides, you know what? I'm staying in France because it's the French Revolution. And this is interesting. He finds an organization that's in turmoil. If you want to rise quickly in an organization, find an organization in turmoil. And you mind defining what so you mean by, by turmoil? So by turmoil, I mean like there's lots of turnover. Uh, they're going through a crisis. It's in the trenches. Yeah, it's in the trenches. It's not settled. If it's settled, it's going to be harder to rise. If it's unsettled, there's incredible opportunity. It's also dangerous. It's yes. really dangerous. You might lose your head. You might get fired, etc. But there will be incredible opportunity there. High risk, high reward. Yeah, high risk, high reward. What I find interesting about Napoleon is how it is that someone who's not French ends up becoming the emperor of France. Yeah, wow. Hey, and then you know his uh, his military genius, and then he loses the war in uh, Russia. He attacks Russia in the winter. Well, loses about six hundred thousand men and all of his cavalry, which is really what leads to Waterloo. He doesn't have the cavalry. It takes it takes like uh, about a year to train a horse. Oh. Men you can train much quicker, but a horse is like six months to a year, and they simply. They de his his horse his cavalry is decimated. Imagine that bottleneck. Yeah, right? like this is all you have to commute yeah. from point A yeah. to point B. His genius too is that it used to be armies were all staffed. It was aristocracy, so you were promoted based on your name, which is what a lot of organizations are now. There's almost no correlation between performance and promotion. It doesn't actually matter how good you do your job. Is that who, what your name is, or like what what your background? Yeah, is, who do you who know? You're known as who do you know? Mm, what committees are you on? How visible are you? Are you friends with the boss? Do you dress like the boss? Do you know the right people? All of those kind of... It, it, so the research, the, uh, the research says that people spend about 40% of their time managing their image in an organization. 40% of your, your workers' time is spent managing their image. Wow. Just how you look. Yeah. How, how, you, how you you're look. representing yourself. And, 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 you know, no, it's not my fault. Someone else, shifting blame. Well, this is where politics happens a lot. Yes. How do you feel like Napoleon did all this in order to have us realize now if it was the same at that time where it's like it's who you know and he's coming into a new oh, country yeah, as yeah, the general yeah, yeah. and he's going calling shots. This is to, to some degree pretty common when someone in our day and age moves to a new country, yeah. makes a name for yeah, themselves, yeah, manages a yeah. team. And they don't know a single he's, person. So what, you, what you've got to figure out is – and this is part of work in a room too. Who are the powerful people? Who are the people in the room that I need to get on my side? And I can figure this out really quickly in a classroom. Usually it's the people at the back. That's usually the, where the powerful people are. Mm -hmm. But what you do is you just get people moving. So in a, what I do really quickly in a classroom, after, the, after, after people have kind of gotten to know each other, you do the old parent share. 
turn to the person beside you, right? And then you do it again. So now you got four, eight, 16, 32, wherever the middle of that group is, that's the most powerful person. The powerful people won't move. The people with less power move. Oh, now so I've identified who the powerful people are, and I know I got to get those people. It's just like herding cattle. All you got to do is get the leaders moving in direction. That says something about people, eh? Because <laughs> you know, the moment yeah. you said that, I started thinking, it, funny enough, I'll admit it, I'm actually the person that gets up to look for somebody. Yeah. You know, I w- would always in school do this. I'm always looking, and I'm. <laughs> not to go off on a tangent, but when I needed to find the best group partners, what I would do is I would walk in a class and I'm already thinking in the first class, yeah. you know, who You're I would strategic. need in my group, right? I'm thinking who's the most outspoken person, who's the most organized, who's coming on time, who's sticking around after and yeah. asking the professor questions. But I'm trying to get and orchestrate yeah. a group of people. But interestingly enough, as the person who's not taking the position as leader, who's just sitting yeah. waiting, I'm trying to go first. And I'm yeah. I'm like in a rush to yeah. like figure out who people are. Yeah, yeah. If if you want if you want your ideas to be successful in an organization, you go first. The first idea is it's the anchoring bias. Whoever speaks first wins. The first option is usually the option that's taken. But uh, that's so interesting. That's so interesting. Uh, Charles, have you read the the book The Forty Eight Laws of Power by Robert Greene? Not yet. It's, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, it's it's actually on my. I'm just ordering it. You know what's funny? It. It's because it's so relevant to what you have just said, or like over the last little bit uh, about power, about yeah. managing the room, yeah. seeing who's the who's the power powerful people, etc. The whole book, and and Robert Greene is like one of my favorite authors because yeah. he talks about these. The 48 laws of power are basically laws that he's created based on human behavior. And people in the past, such as Napoleon, all these influential people, he takes examples of what they did to gain certain power traits, if you will, or get into certain positions of power. And then at the very end of each uh, chapter of each law, he provides a modern example of how you can use the law in, in, in this day and age. And I love it. It's such an incredible book because it's it's all about human behavior. It's all about how you can work the room or yeah. or the world yeah. and what what and what people have done in the past. That's the thing. He's not just preaching to the choir. Yeah. He's like, hey, Napoleon did this, Edson did this, so and so did this. Historic yeah. example. Historic yeah. example. So you can't it's almost like he verifies his law through history. Which is incredible. I love and they're it. techniques. I mean, yeah. some people call them manipulation tactics, but they're techniques. They're ways of uh, reminding you what you need to do to work a room. Back to Charles. Yeah. Point. What, did, what did Napoleon do exactly? Was he one of those leaders that just uh, coming into that new country, he's, he just stood in the corner, waited no, to no, see? No, 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 no. No. So first of all, what you should do in an organization is who are the people that are being promoted? Where are they coming from? Is it the IT department? Is it the finance department? You have to find out where are the people, where are they going? Like, what's what's the path to power? You know, are, are they coming from the HR? Probably not. <laughs> are they coming from marketing? Who are the people that are, where, what are the areas that are being promoted? Mm. And then that's because that's where you need to go. He's a munitions man. So his thing, and, and, and at the time it's like, look, man, what kind of a wimpy, you know, person is going to use munition. Cannon? Nah, come here. Let me take my rifle and we'll stab each yeah, other. You know, this we'll, is how we'll yeah, do Yeah, this, this is how men fight. You know, we stand 10 feet apart from each <laughs> other and we shoot each other. And Napoleon is, he, he, yeah, so his specialty is is, is uh, artillery is cannons. 
Well, cannons are like the IT area of that time. And guess what? They're getting good. And pretty soon, Napoleon figures out, you know what, man? Good cannons? That changes the war real quick. And so he puts himself in in the area that is now being you know moving that is going to be rare and is the and is the strategic resource. It's advancing. Yeah, it's a new advancing. way of going yeah. about. He makes and he makes he makes friends with the right people, gets himself in the right place, and also when things are going absolutely crazy, he takes the army and he goes to Egypt. Just let things, let things, you know Let's what? disappear there's, for there's a, a while. There's, let the, I'm disappearing because things are going sideways here. I'll let everybody fight. And then once the, once the dust is settled, I come back and I tell you what a great victory I won, which he didn't win a victory, but he, 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 he creates himself as this myth, mythical figure. These huge, he comes back now and the dust is settled and he returns as this, as a superhero. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He came back and people remembered him as yeah, that. Yeah, Well, and he's also always advertising what he's doing. He's making ah. sure that people, you know, you want to make sure that people hear, if you do something great and nobody heard about it, it never happened. You have to find out how do you brag without bragging. There's a there's a way to do it. You Muhammad Ali did this You don't want to sound like a schmuck. Yeah. You it, know, you don't want to brag, but you have to be able to make sure that people know what you're doing. I love that, and 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 there's there's one law that I want to read out because it's exactly nice. what you like Good. said. So, law number four from Robert Greene's book, The Forty Eight Laws of Power, is always say less than necessary. When you're trying to impress people with words, the more you say, the more common you appear, and the less in control. Even if you are saying something banal or banal, yep, banal. it will. It will seem original if you make it vague, open-ended, and sphinx-like. Powerful people impress and intimidate by saying less. The more you say, the more likely you are to say something foolish. Nice. That's facts. Yeah. I, I love just think that. about yeah. how much I talk, and yeah. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, like, I got yeah. to trim down the fat. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing, Kenny, is how can you get other people to say say what you once said how can you get them to trumpet your accomplishments ask questions and and the other thing is you know you frame you frame a win as this is a win for our team hey guys i got great news you know this is what i did and this reflects what what we did yeah this is is what we did right exactly this is pretty good because they'll smell it off of you right you got to make sure you contribute or you're 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 telling everyone what they contributed We, we have to talk about we have to talk about this the sincerity because people you were we were talking about this off the air Mm. people smell when people are insincere they smell it you know when someone is just hey you know i think you look great you're a wonderful person you know you're just trying you're just buttering me up because you want something Mm -hmm. people can pick up on that now i guess the question is then how do you fake sincerity well if it's sincere it's not and the question has to be then, how can you sincerely like the people? You know, how do you how do you do that? This is this is certainly something that I've thought about. Um, when Minnie Pearl long ter- from the Grand Old Opry was first going on stage, she was really nervous and she was like terrified. Who's Minnie Pearl? So she was a, a country western comedian oh, at okay. Grand Old Opry. Yep. Uh, anyway, she's she's getting ready to go on and do her shtick, and she was really nervous. She had like stage fright. And this guy looked at her, and he, an old veteran performer, and said, Minnie, if you love them, they'll love you. 
Wow. And she said, I never, I'll never forget. And I, as an instructor, I'll never forget that. If you love them, they'll love you. We teach all these, quote, techniques, you know, waving your arms and you do this. And you know what? If you like them, it will come out in your body language. You don't have to, you know, think of, imagine this for a minute, okay? You come to me and you're like, okay, Charles, how do I show my girlfriend that I like her? We're sitting together on the couch and I don't know what to do. And it's like, well, Kenny, you have to put your arm around her. <laughs> right? You would say. At well, a 90 yeah. degree angle. Right? You would say, well, that's ridiculous. Your body will lead you if your heart is there. And so we just have to get our heart there. Hmm. How do we get our heart there? Well, okay. If you don't like the people that you're working with, there's a problem. If you don't like your team, there's a problem. However you have taught your, told yourself to feel about that team, you can tell yourself something different to feel a different way about them. Of course. Especially when you're the leader and you get to have a decision in whether or not you want this person on your yeah. team. And yeah. I've been guilty of this where I hired off of quantity, not quality. Yeah. And it bit me right in the butt, right? Is you have to ask yourself, I'll never forget what one of my leaders told me. I asked him, what's going to help me know I'm making the right decision to hire somebody? Yeah. And I have to remind myself this. It reminds me so much of like you knowing whether or not this person is someone you want to spend time with. You know what he said? He said, Kenny, you got to ask yourself right after, would you have a beer with this person? Yeah. And I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add a spin on this. What I now add is, would I be willing to have a beer with this person the very next day? Is the fire lit so high right mm. now where it was almost like it felt like it was unfinished? Yeah. yeah. You know. And if I go home and I forget this yeah. person's name and I forget what they look like, even based off of having to get in front of so many people yeah. every day, if I forget either one of those two things or even remotely some like at least three things we talked about, they're not it. Yeah. If I can't even recall that first moment, that first impression. Right? People talk a lot about that. It's like, here's your chance to wow me. And this is how you dress. This is how you look. This is how you act in this job you really want to have, quote unquote. And so this, it's like, yeah, you know. And this becomes, you know, this is the, the curse of promotions is we get people who are really good, who, whose passion is one thing. But then they get promoted to something that's not their passion because it pays more. Yes. This, you know, I one of my favorite questions to ask in class is, how much do I have to pay you to be unhappy? Wow. Hey? That's so what's, what's your price? Mm. And I've had students say, well, you know... Hundred and eighty thousand. Hundred and eighty thousand and you'll be unhappy. Yep, I'll do that. Really? One third of your life. Yeah. Half if you don't count sleep. Hundred and eighty thousand. Okay, so first of all, half's gone in taxes, just to be clear. <laughs> now you've got and you're unhappy. Like what kind of a person are you when you're unhappy? You're gonna be buying stuff because you're thinking that somehow that'll make it better. Mm -hmm. Great story. Joseph Heller, who writes uh, Catch-22, an American writer, and Kurt Vonnegut Jr., another American writer, are at a party. And Joseph Heller has published this book. It's done, it's done amazing. They're at the party, and it's thrown by a hedge fund manager. And Kurt Vonnegut turns to Joseph Heller. And he says, you know, Joe, he says, this guy made more money last year than your book is ever going to make. And Joseph Heller looks at him. He says, you know something, Kurt? He goes, I have something that man will never have. He goes, what's that? Enough. If you're happy, if you're content, that's worth more than all the money. The price of that 180000 job, you're going to be sick more. You're going to be sick, like more sick. You're probably more likely to develop and you're, cancer. And you're going to be a dick. Like no one's going to want to be around you because you're unhappy. Mm -hmm. 
it's it, not worth it. Regardless of what it is, it's not worth it. That level of unhappiness trickles into your home life, oh, then it man. trickles into everything else, and then now you're wondering why you can't recognize yourself in the mirror. Yeah. So like this is going back to the point of it's so important to make sure that the values in the workplace match yours. The yeah. the environment and the vibe, the energy in the room, yeah. the the outcome of what it is that you're doing, the contribution of work. How valuable is that? How much does it mean to you? Because yeah. if it means something, it could go a long way, you know? So, you know what? At the end of the day, we're coming towards the end of our show. We could keep talking to you, Charles. Sure we appreciate so much of what you said. I mean, there's so many things yeah. that I got out of this conversation. Yeah. Um, before we you know, run our ads and finish things off, um, where can people follow you? I'm sure so many people are going to be inspired by what you said. Is there any way people can connect with you or follow your journey? Uh, so... Boy, that's a great question. I'm trying to get stuff going. I just don't know how. Mm. I, I I don't know how to do this. Uh, I'd like to start being a more regular presenter. Our next Jordan Peterson, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to a degree, Yikes. right? <laughs> <laughs> Less controversial and more. Yeah. You know what? More, I, I just want to... Uh, help people yes. uh, you know our life is so short we well, let me have start so with little time let me start with one you want to connect with charles kime you go to McEwen university there we go. you sign up for open studies and you do one of his organizational behavior classes go. yeah right there sure. right for that's sure. c-h-a-r-l-e-s charles kime that's right. k-e-i-m i am going to be his representative and there we are we going to get this guy in front yeah. of cameras there baby so there we go. thank you charles we appreciate you my brother yeah. uh we're going to run the end of our show here play some ads and finish off with a song if any one of you enjoyed this please we would love for you to tell a friend right tell them hey every friday 1440 a.m a full switch series learn about how to lead your life in the right direction thank you ladies and gentlemen we are out enjoy the weekend that's a wrap 